Thank you for joining us today. We hope this teaching inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you tools for everyday life. We encourage you to visit us at mbcocala.com to discover more about the life-changing ministry at Meadowbrook, as well as convenient ways you can partner with us financially in helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Enjoy the message. Amen. How about a big welcome for our online and East Campus, if you would. God bless you guys. It's going to be a great morning. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're in our third week of a series called Say What? Or as we like to see it around here, come on, help me out. Say What? There you go. Good job. Good job. Some of you, that's the wildest you were all week right there. I'm doing that. Uh, this is a super important series. We're talking about our words and how words play out. Uh, understand that you have the power of words and words have power. And you do not want to underestimate how powerful words really are to, to build up or to tear down. Uh, as we read last week, they can be gifts or they can be poison. And so we have the power of words. And words play out in conversations. And conversations will affect and determine both the direction of your life and the quality of your life. So the direction of your life, where is it going? The quality of your life, how is it going? And so, again, we have this incredible power of words, these interactions or arenas of conversations, and uh, that's our focus uh, for this series. Let me go ahead and give you the kind of the framework here. Here are the four conversations, the four arenas uh, that we use our words in. And uh, the first one would be this, conversations with God. And let me just underline this, highlight this, put stars and circles around this. This is this is of primary importance. All the rest are going to depend upon this conversation, this interaction, this relationship with God. Uh, second would be our conversations with ourself, your self-talk. We spent all of last week on that. I also cannot overemphasize the importance that this is healthy. Now get this too. Your conversations with God, that's the spring, that's the fountainhead where life-giving words come from. That's the source of life-giving words for your life and for these other conversations that we'll look at. And if, you, if you're not having that interaction, that conver- those conversations with God, your self-talk's not going to be healthy either. Uh, so this is the source of light. This is the source of, of life-giving words are going to come from God, and then it impacts you. Moving on to the third conversation, it would be your conversation with the enemy. And I'm sorry that this is happening on Mother's Day, and it has no reference to your mother-in-law, okay? So we'll be talking about this today. And then lastly, and all of these kind of cascade, lastly is your conversation with others. Today we're going to look at conversations with the enemy, and I've chosen to not capitalize the enemy there. So let's look in First Peter chapter 5, if you will, First Peter chapter 5. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, and you do have one, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Come on, help me on this. Resist. Resist him standing, sta- uh, standing firm in the faith. Now, we have some other resources I could direct you to, uh, a little more lengthy teaching on this subject. These are all available online. Go to the message part of that, where the messages are, go into the archives. Three series I was uh, reminded of, Traps and Tricks, you can go back and look at that, Temptations, and Battlefield. 
So those would be worth the while to go back and, and watch or listen uh, to those series as we talk about conversations with the enemy. If you'll remember in the Gospels, in the Synoptic Gospels, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, <coughs> excuse me, we have an account of Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And they had, he had conversations with the enemy. And I want to point out to you that his interactions with the enemy, the enemy did not use a pitchfork. The enemy did not throw fireballs. The enemy did not have laser beams coming out of his eyes. What was this battle? What was this interaction? Can I tell you what the enemy did? You ready? He talked. He talked. He used words. Words are containers. They carry and contain thoughts. So kind of keep all of that together there. Uh, There was a dialogue that took place. Uh, That's interaction. The enemy does not really like dialogue. He prefers monologue. He would rather you just listen. He'd rather you just be gullible and buy whatever he's trying to sell you, that you're just quiet about and and take that as it comes. Let me also note that uh, in the temptations of Jesus, there were three temptations. And if you study this out, you'll find that those three temptations actually give us the framework for all temptations, all temp- any temptation is going to fall into one of those three categories. But for our purposes today, let me, let me point out to you that two out of three of those temptations had to do with the enemy trying to get Jesus to question his identity. Your identity is huge. Go back up our, our flow and that would go back into your self-talk. And so... The enemy comes to try to get you confused about you, your purpose, and, and, and your identity. Consider also about the enemy. He's called the adversary, the accuser, a slanderer. He lies, he condemns, he uses fear, he, he evokes questions, he likes to bring confusion, he distorts, he's been expelled from heaven, he's active, he's angry, and Revelation 12 says he's aware of the clock. And what is his MO? What does he do? He talks. He talks. How does he talk? In general, this is the way he talks. We don't hear him with our ears. We hear something on the inside. But how does he do that? How does the enemy get something on the inside of you and me? He has schemes. He has devices that he uses to try to get into your mind. He has ways that he tries to get into your thoughts, into your soul couple things about the enemy. First of all, you have one. Church, are you here today? You have an enemy. I I know it's Sunday and it's Mother's Day and all those things, but the reality is we all have a spiritual enemy. We do. He's against you. He doesn't like you. You smell of your creator. The touch of greatness is is on you. You cannot stand that. He's He's against that. Okay, and so you have an enemy, so you need to know that. Second thing you need to know about the enemy is this. He can't make you do anything. He can't make you do anything. Some of you are old enough to remember a comedian named Flip Wilson. Y'all remember him? What did he say? The devil made me do it. That ain't so, y'all. He can't make you do it. That's your excuse for doing what you wanted to do or just caving in and and, uh, blaming it on the devil, okay? And so he can't make you do anything. 
And then this is the truth that I want us to, to uh, look at in regards to what, our, what we're teaching today. He cannot read your mind. He cannot read your mind. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you will. It says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? In other words, the only one who knows your thoughts is you. We also know from a preponderance of, of Scripture that God also knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. So the devil does not know. You say, well, I think he does know. No, he just knows what bait you go after. Through, a, through show and tell, you give clues and cues as to how you are affected by the enemy. We'll talk about that uh, before we finish today as well and what you can do about that. But he does not know your thoughts. He cannot read your mind. So how does he do this? How does he get something into us then and try to influence us, try to distract us, try to discourage us? How does he do that? Let's look in Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, come on, come on, come on, to stand. That's real important because that's what we want to do. We want to be able to stand and not fall. Can I get an amen today? That you may be able to stand against the, here's the word. Come on, read that one. Wiles of the devil. In the New Testament Greek, this word wiles is the word, listen to it, methodeia, methodeia. Do you hear anything in that that sounds familiar? Method, method. He, a method is a, a way of doing something. This word also has the root that we would get our word odometer from. So it has to do with a journey. It literally in the Greek means to a traveling over and a traveling into. So the method, he's trying to find a way to travel over and get into you in some way. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 reads this way. Lest Satan, that's your enemy, should take advantage of us. Let me pause right there. How many of you do not want him to take advantage of you? I'm waiting on y'all again. Let's try that again. How many of you do not want him to take advantage of you? How many of you are sick and tired of him taking advantage of you? Okay, so we need to be equipped for this. So lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his, come on, his devices. Let me rephrase this for you. When you're not ignorant of his devices, then he cannot take advantage of you. So if this were a boxing match and you know at the beginning of round two, he always does that left uppercut. You know he always does that. Then you're ready for it. You're not ignorant of his devices. You kind of know his M.O. and how he, kinda, how he kind of works. And so, lest Satan should take advantage of us, we cannot then be ignorant of his devices. This New Testament word is the, is the word noamata. You don't have to remember that, and it doesn't sound like anything we know. But noamata has to do with this. Concepts, thoughts, and to play upon or to work upon the mind. So his schemes, his wiles, and his devices, his methods, here's what he's trying to do, is find any way he can to play upon your mind. And so there are a number of ways. He, cannot, he does not know your thoughts, but I believe that he will use anything he can to trigger a thought, to project a thought, to plant a thought within you. Now, we have to guard ourselves because they're coming to us through all the gates, y'all. 
The eye gate, the ear gate. How many of you know, be careful, little eyes, what you see? Be careful, little ears, what you? And be careful, little kids, who you hang out with. You know, and that's not part of the song, but I just added it. So we have to be careful with these things, but the enemy will use anything that he can to project, to trigger, to to plant, to find a way to get some thoughts into you. Now, look with me in John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus says, for there is no truth, no truth in him. Context, he's talking about the devil. There's no truth in the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So there's no truth in the devil. He's the father of lies. Lying is his native language. And get this, if he's talking, he's lying. Now, what he does sometimes is he baits the hook with a little bit of truth. Says, oh, yeah, well, but that's true. And so he'll bait it with just a little bit of of truth, and then you're more inclined to bite, so to speak, and to take the bait that he would put out there. But we need to understand that when he speaks, he lies, and that's his native language. Now, we read earlier, 1 Peter chapter 5, that he's our adversary. Adversary means he's against us. He's against us. And and I hate to ruin your morning. He's very against you. And get this. This is what he's against. He is very, very anti, happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. Very. Does not want that in your life. Because then you know what? Then you'll be a blessing. And you know what? And then you'll bring glory to God. And this is totally opposite of what he wants. His whole mission is, I have to block you from being happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. He starts out right here with, I've got to get them diverted on what they think will make them happy. So if I can plant thoughts to get them diverted on what will make them happy, you know what? If you chase the wrong things to make you happy, you'll never be stable. And if you're never stable, you can't be fruitful. And all those things put together, if you're off on those, you'll never be blessed except for just God out of his mercy blessing you. And consequently, you need help. You can't be a help. You can't be a blessing to anybody, and your life is really not going to bring glory to God. So the enemy is after that. He's after to derail you, put you down, make you think less of yourself, cast shadow upon you so you think you're defeated, you think you're weak, you think you can never overcome, you can never accomplish anything. And even once you do, he'll still let you know that you're some kind of less than. And if you've ever, ever messed up in your life, and can I ask the the service today, anybody here ever messed up in your life? To really make you think that even though the pastor told you or somebody prayed with you that you got forgiveness, you're not forgiven. Can't forgive you of that. Plus, there's still evil in you. And just constantly this stuff coming at you. And he's a liar. And he's got to do this to unplug you, to drain you, to, to erode your sense of worth, your sense of esteem, to break down your security, your wholeness, your righteousness, that you could ne- I could never be forgiven of God. God really doesn't love me. I know the pastor tells me he loves me. God really doesn't love me. I mean, I'm a mess. And the devil wants to hold you down in that way. And he wants to mess up your projects. He wants to mess up your purpose. He wants to mess up everything about your life, your relationships. He wants to keep you from God's presence. He wants to keep you from God's word. He wants to keep you from God's people. He wants to keep you out of God's house. He wants to keep you from worshiping. He wants to keep you from praying. 
He wants to keep you from walking in healthy relationship with other people. He has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he can't just overwhelm you, so he has to get you to cooperate in some way. You have to buy the lies that he tries to bring on the inside. He loves a monologue with you, and it's time for us. No more monologues. No more monologues. So I'm going to show you what to do here today, and I believe that this will help you. And how does he do it? How does he do it? He lies, he lies, he lies, he lies. He plants lies into your heart and into your mind. So it sounds very loud on the inside. And again, this is very much connected to our self-talk because then we start to think that some of these lies, that's me. I'm saying this about me. And once you buy the lie, then you are saying that about you. Or that God might be saying this to me, that I'm less than, I'm really no good, and I'm, you know, he made me out of leftover stuff he had in heaven. He made the ones he wanted to, and then there's a little leftover, I'll make make that guy. So that explains why I'm this way. And I've never had a fair shake, and I'll never have a fair shake, and nothing really ever works out for me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat a worm. (laughs) And he just loves that for you. And although it sounds very loud, get this, it's actually very, very quiet. It's very much inside. It's very much internal. It is actually in your soul. It's in your soul. So remember, what do we do with this? Well, first thing is your conversations with God, that's your source of light and life-giving words to flow to flow down and to bring light and bring life-giving words into your self-talk so that when, when the backwash of dark thoughts come from the enemy, you've got the light and life of God flowing and flooding down to keep that out of your soul and, for, and to help you to recognize it when it's in you. Amen. So having conversation with God and then having healthy conversation with yourself is going to determine, don't miss this, is going to determine if you stand or if you fall when you have conversations with the enemy. I don't think you heard what I just said. Your conversations with God, your interaction with God, his presence, his word, so informs and and infuses life and light into your conversations with yourself. Let me put it to you this way. If you're not having that then the real question is this. Are you going to be able to stand or fall when you have conversations with the enemy? So vital for us is that we have conversations with God, cascading into our conversations with ourselves, cascading down that any interaction that we have with the enemy, we are able to stand. Amen. So when the enemy wants to have a little talk with you, when he wants to have monologue, hear me, interrupt. You need to interrupt. You need to speak up. You need to find your voice. You need to talk back. Now, I hate interruption. I hate interruption. When people are talking and you, you're getting to the punchline of your story, you want to share something sweet, and then somebody else walks up and, you know, comes in with something. Or sometimes you're watching or listening to the news, and they've got a panel to talk about whatever. And uh, everybody's talking over it. I can't even, I don't know who's, I, who's talking. I don't know. But I tell you what, there's one kind of interruption that you should come to like and get really good at, and that is to interrupt the enemy of your soul when he starts with all his mess, trying to talk you into something, trying to get you to buy what he's selling. You need to interrupt, talk back, speak up, speak over him. You don't argue. You don't debate. 
And I hate to tell you this, and your words are not going to be enough. And your insults will do nothing. And some people try to insult the devil. You're a meanie and you stink. And if you were here, I would punch you. And then you go and change into camo and come back and you think it's going to help. None of that's going to help. You're going to have to use some words beyond your words. You're going to have to use God's words. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? Word of God. Now look at this word, word right here. This word in the New Testament Greek is the word rhema, and it actually means to speak. And it's not just to speak anything. It is very precise and very right now the right word. And the Spirit of God will help you with this. And it is to use the Word of God. Use the Word of God to speak in this conversation with the enemy. In the book of Revelation, we find a time where Jesus, uh, it says that a a sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth. And with it, he was able to defeat the enemy. And so it's not that he actually had a metal sword coming out out of his mouth. The Word is really clear. The Bible is clear that it is the Word of God. So here's the principle. Whenever you put the word of God in your mouth, it becomes a sword. Whenever you put the word of God, not literally, don't bite your Bible, we're not talking about that, but when you put the word of God in your mouth, it becomes a sword. So your words, your insults, your, your, your uh, objections to, to the enemy really hold no power unless they are God's words. And you use God's word, and when you put God's word in your mouth, it becomes a sword. But for this to be possible, you're going to have to have conversation, interaction with God. And hear me, I've been teaching this for 30 years, folks. You must have daily intake of and exposure to God's word. Daily. Not some religious checklist. I'm supposed to read my Bible. This is for your survival. That you have that life-giving flow of God's Word coming through you so that you know it because then the Holy Spirit can bring that back to you. You must continue to grow and learn God's Word. You must continue to sit under teaching of God's Word. Let me show you a picture of the sword real quick. And this is, this is you know, beautiful to me. You got God's Word there and you've got this big, awesome-looking sword. I want you to notice that the sword has two parts to it, Okay. It has two parts. It has this part. What's this part called? The blade. And you know what the blade does? The blade does the work. The blade does the damage. And then you've got the other part. What's the other part called? The handle. Do you know what the handle really represents? Understanding. Get a handle on this. Let me get a grip on this. And so what it is is that you understand God's word. Because if you're going to use God's word as a sword, if you're going to use it appropriately, if you're going to do damage to the enemy and what he's trying to do, you have to understand God's word. You can't just take the Bible and just, uh, I'll get you, devil. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips. Gotcha. Or you just flip to a verse and you read about some old king somewhere. You know, you have to know in the moment, and the Holy Spirit will help you, but you've got to understand the word. And when he's saying, your sins aren't forgiven, you go, oh, no, 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 no. My sins are forgiven. I'm like real forgiven. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses me from all sin. 
And God takes my sins and puts them in the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. Jesus nailed them to the cross to separate them from me. My sins are removed from me as far as the east is from the west. I'm like really forgiven. And so you've got to know how to use God's word in those moments. You have to have a handle on God's word to help you in that way. Amen. So Jesus, the son of God, used the word of God in his conversations with the enemy. I think we should as well. For everything that the enemy brought up, Jesus said, hold it right there. It is written. And you know what actually he was doing was taking the word by the handle, using appropriate scripture in the, in the appropriate moment to be able to help him in that way. Conversations with God, again, flowing down. Conversations with yourself, renewing your mind, filling and flooding your soul so that now any interaction that you have with the enemy, I'm ready. Now, you don't invite the enemy. You know, some people say, devil, bring it. <laughs> I don't. I say, stay away. Stay away. Now, here's two things. Let me boil this all down and we'll finish today. Two things that you need to do. And everything that I've covered this morning falls under this one word right here. Refute. Refute. Refute means to counter, to oppose, to contradict. So that when the enemy comes with whatever he comes with, you go, nope, wrong, oh, not here, not now, not me. It is written. And then use the appropriate scripture, refute. The second part is this, resist, resist. Come on, everybody say resist. Look in James chapter four, verse seven. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? He will flee. This is the way we want motion going, okay? That he would flee from you. But it comes because you submit to God. Can I do this? That's your interaction with God. And then resist the devil. Arrange yourself against him. I'm ready to oppose. I'm ready to resist. I am not giving in. You need to, you need to be ready that way. Don't just fold up. And one of the best ways to, to resist, you ready? Ignore. Ignore. I think I was in fifth grade. I grew up in Leesburg. And um, we went to the county fair in Eustis. And I didn't want to hang out with my folks. So I asked him, I think my mom gave me like $4. So I'm the big man at the fair. My four bucks walking around. And I walked up through kind of the midway where they have all the games and things. And uh, I'm walking along. What am I going to do? You got the smell in the air and the sound and the lights. It's pretty exciting. And all of a sudden I hear this guy, hey, kid. At one of the booths, one of the games. I went, me? Yeah, you kid. You look like a winner. Come over here. So I went over there and lost my $4. (laughs) I played a game I could not win. And even if I did win, because my brother won some stuff walking around by himself, it was like a mutated hippo. (laughs) If you do win, it's garbage, it's junk. You know what I would have been better off doing? Ignoring. Just ignoring And we need to learn to do that. Resist and refute the enemy. Ignore the enemy as well. And realize this, that your conversations with God flow and flood life-giving words and light down into your conversations with yourself. And then when conversations come up with the enemy, you're going to be able to stand and not fall. 
Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message resource for Meadowbrook. You can stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.